Welcome to our fourth and final week of our series, This is Cultivate. For many of us, we've been discovering what Cultivate Church is really all about. For many of us, we've been reminded, we're remembering what Cultivate Church is all about. One of the things that's been transparent in this series is to understand that the church, Cultivate Church, we're not about a logo or a street corner, a personality on a platform. Uh, we are the church collectively together. And so it's important to go back and to remember the why behind the what. We know that we exist. We know that we go to church. We know what we do, but why is it that God has put us right here in Shelby County, Alabama, to make a difference not only here, but around the world. So all month, we've just been discovering why we exist as a church. In week one, we talked about being built to last. We talked about being built on the truth and the totality of God's Word, that we don't ask God to conform to us, but no, we conform our lives to Him. In week two, we talked about having a passion for people. We exist because of people. That's why we do everything that we do. That's why God sent Jesus into the world. It was because of people. Therefore, people are our driving force because that's the heart of God. Last week, we talked about being eternally energized. What energizes us? It's the thought of eternity. It's the thought of doing what God has put us on this planet to do. And this entire series has come out of a statement that Jesus made in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And here's what he said I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus chose to build his church. Jesus chose to take all of his time, all of his attention, all of his resources and efforts into the local church. It's what he gave his life for. It's what the Bible says he will return for. It is the local church. You and I together, collectively, following Jesus, we make up the local church. If you've missed any of these messages, I encourage you to go back on all the podcast platforms online or through the church app. You can find it just about anywhere and catch up on this series. Today, I titled your message as we conclude this series, Completely Convinced. We've shared a lot about our church and what we're for and what we stand for and what we're doing. But as equally as important it is, as it is to be completely convinced about who we are and what we're doing, it's important to be completely convinced about who we're not and the things that we're not going to do. The things that uh, we set in place as a barrier or a guardrail to keep us on task. And so today I'm going to share four specific things that we're not going to do. Some things that we're completely convinced by. I was thinking about times in my own life that I've been so convinced by something that I would argue it or fight it. Many of you have been convinced that you knew something to be so true that you would argue and it did not matter what someone said to you. They could try to change your mind. They could try to present a fact. But you were so convinced that you were right that you would argue until the end, only to find out if you're like me, oftentimes that I realize, oh, I was wrong. I really didn't know what I was talking about. And then I have to go back and apologize and say, I missed it. I messed up. I was wrong about that. There's conviction in being convinced. I found some funny things that talked about the many things that you and I would be convinced by as a kid. One person said, I believe that if I ate a watermelon seed, a watermelon would grow in my stomach. 
I can remember that as a kid sitting around the pool, eating watermelon and wondering what would happen if I eat these seeds. And I can remember somebody saying that if you eat that seed and it gets in your stomach, well, watermelons will begin to grow on the inside of your stomach. Someone said, I believe that white cows made white milk and brown cows made chocolate milk. Those are the things that we're convinced of, maybe we believe as a kid. Someone said, I believe that the ice cream truck when playing music, it meant that it was out of ice cream. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> this person was convinced because their parents had told them that when the ice cream truck is playing music, it means they're out of ice cream. That is a genius parenting hack. You can keep that one and use it with your kids. Someone else said, I once believed that the moon was made out of cheese. Many of us growing up, someone said, you know, the moon is made out of cheese. You could see all the craters and the holes in the moon at the surface, so we were convinced that it was made of cheese. Unless someone tells us differently, or unless we encounter the truth, when we become completely convinced of something, our convictions of our life will carry that out. Well, as a church, it's important that we understand what we are completely convinced of. So the convictions of our life will help us carry that out. I want to share four things with you today that govern us as Cultivate Church. And I would pray and believe that in your life that these things would be adopted for you to live out as well. Because I believe that these are things that God wants us to embrace, to be completely convinced of, so that we live our life on purpose. Let's pray over God's Word today. Father, thank you for all of my friends watching or listening online, all of our guests today that are tuned in for the very first time to Cultivate Church. I thank you for the word that we're going to receive. I thank you for the church that is Cultivate Church. Got a family, got a community of people choosing to follow and love you. Bless our time together in the word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are completely convinced of a few things that we are not. And number one, here's what we are not. We are not satisfied. Man, that's an important place to be. As a believer, following Jesus, involved in his church, living life on purpose, it's so incredibly important to never grow satisfied. Throughout our morning together, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. And I want to talk about the calling of one of the disciples. His name is Matthew, previously named Levi. He was a tax collector, and in the day, everybody hated the tax collectors because they took advantage of everybody. And this guy, although one day doing his work at his station, he has an encounter with Jesus, and we learn that he begins quickly following Jesus. The Bible says in Luke 5, 27 and 28, Jesus left the town. He saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. I began thinking about this circumstance right here with a man named Levi who is um, basically one of the wealthiest people because he's a tax collector. Not only would he receive his wages for doing his job, but he would overtax and overcollect people and he would line his pockets by taking advantage of others. Now, he wasn't enjoyed in uh, society, but he made a good living and he took care of himself and he had maybe things that other people would want. But yet on this day, when Jesus comes by, the Bible says that Jesus just, Jesus Jesus just says, hey, Levi, follow me. 
And the Bible says immediately he gets up, he leaves everything, and he follows Jesus. He left behind his position. He left behind all of his uh, possessions. He left behind the power that he had as a tax collector. Immediately he chose to follow Jesus. And I began to think, why in the world did this man so quickly make a decision on the spot to get up, leave it all behind, and to follow Jesus? And one of the main reasons that I believe that Levi got up, who would become Matthew to follow Jesus, is because he was not satisfied. You see, I believe all around the world and in our culture especially, we see that people are left in dissatisfaction. People are not satisfied where they are. People have a lack of purpose and emptiness in their life. When people are surveyed of the things that are bothering them, the things that are holding them back, the things that overwhelm them, by large numbers, people say that it's a lack of purpose and it's emptiness in my life. Research shows that those with purpose actually live longer. Did you know that? That people who live embracing a purpose for their life actually live a longer, fuller life, all based on having purpose in their life. People around us are missing that. Emptiness is shown to be actually the same as smoking up to 15 cigarettes every single day. That the impact of loneliness, of emptiness, of a lack of purpose in our life is the same health effect of smoking 15 cigarettes every single day. Did you know that even though we're connected by social media all across the world by video calls and conferencing, that we can uh, contact somebody from the other end of the globe in a matter of second, that the two youngest generations, our millennials and Gen Zs, are the loneliest of all generations. People are living in dissatisfaction. It's almost as if you held a container of water and you began to fill it from the top to the bottom all the way up. And yet it never seemed to satisfy the container because of the holes that it contains. And when there's holes in the container, everything that you pour in begins to leak out. It cannot contain that which is filled because of the holes that it has. Many of people are living their lives with holes in their life, emptiness, with depression, with hurts and habits and hangups and all the things, and yet we try to fill it up with all the things that make us happy only to find that there are holes in our lives and it is all emptying out. I'd ask you these questions today. Are you just going through the motions, filling time until we die? Think about how many times in a day we'd say, if I can just make it through this day, if I can just get to the weekend, I can't wait for this day to be over. I can't wait for 2020 to be over. Oh man, 2021 came with an vengeance. I can't wait for this to be over. I can't wait for this month to pass me by. I can't wait till vacation. Summer's almost here. I can't wait till the kids go back to school. Many of us are just waiting for that someday, one day. What about when fun is a distraction until the emptiness returns? That the enjoyment that you feel in life only feels like a fleeting moment. And in the moment, it's just a distraction of the hurts and the disappointment, the loneliness, the emptiness that is to come. What about like you're just keeping your head above the water? Like you just can't hardly breathe. And if you can just keep your chin above the water, maybe you can get enough breath, 
enough air to breathe in one more time. If those are very relevant to you, maybe you're living your life in a place of dissatisfaction. Well, listen, believers, those of us who are following Jesus, who are doing ministry to serve the the hope of Jesus into this world to people who may feel exactly like that, listen, we can't be satisfied with the dissatisfaction of other people. As long as there's dissatisfaction in the lives of other people, you and I must never find satisfaction in where we are. Look, there's a difference between contentment and satisfaction. Contentment means I have everything that I need and everything that God has given to me. Yet satisfaction would say, look, I am just completely okay and I give up. No, this is what a dissatisfaction means is that we're never going to rest. We're never going to stop. Hey, church, as long as there's one more person that needs to know that God loves them, and needs to know that he's the hope of the world, that the church is the hope of the world, leading people to a relationship with Jesus. Cultivate church. We will never be satisfied as long as there's one more that needs to know Jesus. We'll never be satisfied as long as there's one empty seat in the room. We'll never be satisfied as long as there's one family member of one person that needs to know that God loves them and can forgive them. We'll never be satisfied if there's one more person that needs to make eternity and heaven their home. We will never be satisfied until our, our church looks just like our community, until our church is just as diverse as the community that is around us. We'll never be satisfied as long as addiction is happening. We'll never be satisfied as long as there are broken families. We'll never be satisfied. Because Jesus has put us on this planet for a purpose, to do what he's called us to do. And as long as there's breath in our bodies and there's a mission in front of us, we will never be satisfied. I want to encourage you that if you found yourself today sitting in a place of dissatisfaction, you're looking for hope and you don't know where to find it and you don't know how to grow past it in your life. If it's a harmful place in your life, look, I I would encourage you to dig in to the things that we do right here at Cultivate Church. Get involved in roots. Discover your personality. Discover your spiritual giftings. Learn how God has put you together. It'll help put purpose in your life. Get on a team with people collectively working together, building relationships to accomplish an incredible goal. There are teams of people doing so many things right here at Cultivate Church, and there is an open door for you when it looks like it's full. Looks like they've got it covered. Looks like they've got that team all together. No, no one owns anything and there's a place for everybody. Whatever your gift, whatever your passion, there's a place for you. Get in a small group. Sit in a circle and get off just the rows. Rows are great on a Sunday morning, but we need circles during the week. We need communities of people to sit with and talk to and to pray with and to complain with and to encourage and to say, look, you can make it. I felt that way. I've been there. God helped me and so can God help you. We need a community to get in to help bring life to us. We have student ministry for teenagers. We have celebrate recovery for people who are just dealing with hurts and habits and hangups of any kind and any form. There is a way for God to fill us with purpose and desire so that we can go and make a difference in the lives around us. We have a process for finding purpose and for finding life so that you're not empty and you're not alone. Cultivate church as long as there are people feeling this way. You and I must never be satisfied with what we're doing. 
We must never be satisfied with what we have. We must never be satisfied as long as there's breath in our body, as long as the sun rises and the sun sets and we get one more opportunity, you and I must be living life on purpose to make a difference into the lives of others. We will not be satisfied. Number two, we will not be selfish. We will not be selfish. See, uh, Levi, I believe he felt that dissatisfaction. I believe the reason he got up so quickly to follow Jesus it's because there was a hurt in his life. There was something missing. There was something that he needed more. And as soon as Levi got up to follow Jesus, we see generosity. We see giving. We see his outward expression of what God has done begin to form in his life. The Bible says in verse 29, Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Notice this. The Bible says, Later, Levi held a banquet. He threw a party. He, he, he prepared food. He prepared an environment because he had met Jesus. So immediately something was to be done. There was no selfishness there. He didn't go to Jesus and say, man, I'm so thankful that I found a Savior. I'm so thankful that I found somebody just to take care of me. No, he made Jesus his Lord. He began serving Jesus. He created, he formed, he put together and planned a banquet in his home with Jesus as his guest of honor. What if you and I lived our life as a continual banquet where Jesus was the guest of honor? What if you and I lived continually every day as if we living and preparing a banquet and Jesus was the guest of honor? What would your life look like if we just lost a little bit of selfishness? How much more could we accomplish if we just left behind a little bit of selfishness in our life? We are all so well at taking care of me, myself, and I. Yet that was not the response of Levi, not the response of Matthew here that as soon as he followed Jesus and left everything behind, he began serving and giving to Jesus. I think about my pastor, Pastor Frankie Powell. Many of you, if you're a part of Cultivate Church, you've, you've met Pastor Frankie. He comes and speaks with us every single year. And Pastor Frankie, uh, several months back, if not even a year ago, he prayed and said, God, if you'd just give me just some extra money, just, just some dollars in my pocket, just some extra spending money beyond my needs. He said, I'm going to start taking the cash that I have. He said, most of us don't deal with cash anymore. We all swipe our cards and we pay online and we scam with our phones. He said, but God, the cash that I pick up, the cash that I receive, he said, I'm going to start giving that away. He said, if you'll present a need to me, I'm going to take that cash and I'm going to begin doing good for those who are in my path. And he said he began serving the needs that would pop up that he could meet with the cash that was in his pocket. He said as he would give that cash away, eventually more and more cash would start coming his way. Randomly, somebody would come up and say, hey, I just wanted to give this to you. I wanted to be a blessing to you. He would speak somewhere and someone would come up and shake his hand and they would have a $50 bill that they would pass to him. And he said he began taking that money and he said he was amazed that the more and more that he gave, the more and more that he received. He went to one church on a Sunday morning. They had heard about what was happening and how God had been blessing him with cash in his pocket and how he had been served 
serving other people with the opportunity. And one Sunday morning before he left, that church, just for that purpose, everybody pitched in together and put in a bunch of cash and gave it to him to go out and to be a blessing. You see, when you live a life that is on purpose for other people, serving others as if you were preparing a banquet and loving others as you would love Jesus, serving others as you would serve Jesus, the Bible says that the obedience opens the door to blessing in your life. Generosity paves the way for generosity. When you give, the Bible says, God can trust you with what you've been given, so he will give you more. It's not living selfish life. We will not be selfish. We're going to be a generous people. We're going to give to others. Listen, I know many of us have reasons why we can't be generous. I don't have enough time, or I don't have enough stuff. I don't have enough resource. I don't have enough talent to give. I don't have anything I can do. What good am I that I could give to other people? Well, look, there's someday one day, but there is no time like the present. Now is the most powerful time of your life. Right here today, now is the most powerful time of your life. Now leads to what's next. Now is what leads to what is next. Now makes things possible today. Now is one step in the right direction. Now is one step to say, I can make a difference in the life of somebody else. Right now is what leads to what is next. We are not going to be a selfish church. We're going to continue to serve people. We're going to continue to look outward and not inward. We're going to continue to serve in such a way that all those around us would know that Cultivate Church wants something for them and nothing from them. It's not about our gain. It's about heaven's gain. And we recognize that we will never be satisfied as long as there's needs around us and we will not be selfish and look to ourselves. We're going to be generous and look into the lives of others. Give your time, give your talent, and give your treasure. We will not be selfish. Number three, we will not be silent. This one's very important. Matthew, Levi, he meets Jesus. He leaves everything behind. It's the emptiness, it's the lack of purpose that drives him to Jesus. We're going to be passionate about reaching people like that. That's why we're not satisfied. And then he, he, he shows us that he's not selfish. Immediately he begins to serve Jesus and love Jesus and to give to Jesus. And we're not going to be selfish people. And then we learn that, hey, he wasn't very silent about his faith in Jesus either. He wasn't very silent about leaving behind what was in his life to follow Jesus. Notice what happens. The Bible said he went to prepare that banquet. And then many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. See, Matthew, he didn't hold it all to himself. Matthew didn't keep it a secret that he had found Jesus. Matthew didn't hide it from all of his friends that he had been following after Jesus. No, he prepared a banquet and then he invited all of his friends. And the Bible says that all of his fellow tax collectors, they came and all other guests with them, they ate and they sat around the table with Jesus. 
Why were the, tele, the fellow tax collectors and all the other friends there, why were they in the presence of Jesus? Because Matthew invited them. Because Matthew brought them to the table. He provided a seat for them at the table. You see, it wasn't a dinner for two. You see, it wasn't a small table with two chairs tucked away in the corner. No, it was a big banquet. It was a big feast. It was a long table with many chairs, with Jesus as the guest of honor and all of the people that surrounded Matthew in relationship were invited to the table to sit and to be in the presence of Jesus. Many of us as believers, we treat our relationship with Jesus as a dinner for two, like a small little table with two little chairs and one little helping for you and for Jesus. We don't want people to know. We don't want people to ask us questions. We don't want people to think about what we're doing or see us or see our faith or ask us about it. But no, we need to live in such a way that we're not silent. Church, as believers cultivate church, we will not be silent. We are convinced that Jesus is the hope of the world. We are, uh, we are completely convinced and we're convicted by the fact that the world needs Jesus and we're going to be loud and we're going to take Jesus to the people who is around us. If you care, you will share. If you care, you will share. Don't hold out on the hope that you found in Jesus. Be loud. Let people know the difference that Jesus has made in your life. We're not going to be silent. We're going to shout it from the rooftops. We're going to let our lives echo the work that God has done in us. How do we do it? Well, you can simply show them. Show people by the way you live. Live it. Just begin to live it every day. Make decisions. Let your actions reflect the actions of Jesus. Let the way that you make decisions and the way that you smile and the way that you treat people and the way that you speak, let, let people see it by the way that you live it out of your life. And then if you need to, use your words and tell them. When people are going, wow, what's different about you? Just tell them the difference that Jesus has made. You don't have to read them a Bible story. If you're a new believer and you're afraid, I don't know the Bible, I don't even know how to express You just tell them what Jesus has done for you. Nobody can, nobody can argue the truth of what God has done in your life. People can't argue against what you have experienced personally because it's your personal experience. Tell them, use your words, and then bring them. We create an environment every week that is a simple on-ramp to get to know Jesus. It's a simple invitation. It's a simple seat. It's a simple invite. Eight out of ten people will say yes if you only invite them to this environment where they will know that they're loved, where they know that there's hope for their life. Bring them and we'll introduce them to Jesus. And then you can serve them. Serve them. Serve the people that's around you. Nobody can argue against somebody that's serving them. Isn't that what Matthew did? He created this banquet where Jesus was the guest of honor. And at this banquet, he brought all of his friends and all of the people that he had influence with. Church, we will not be silent. We're not going to be satisfied as long as there's one more that needs to know. We'll never stop being satisfied. We're not going to be selfish. We're not going to hold it all to ourselves. We're not going to be silent not telling people about who Jesus is. And then fourth and last, we will not be scared. We're not going to be scared. We're not going to be scared about what's happening in our culture. 
We're not going to be scared about what's happening in the world. We're not going to be scared about what the politicians are doing. We're not going to be scared about all the what-ifs. No, we're going to walk in faith. We've got more faith than we have fear. Our fear will not cripple our faith. Notice what happened at this dinner when Jesus is there with all of these people who are sinners. When he's with all of those people, everybody, all the religious people, the Bible says, the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law, they complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Wow. Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. We're so afraid sometimes of what people are going to say and what people are going to do. There they are, the, the religious people, those trying to cause a problem, going to the disciples, going, hey, why do you eat with such scum? Why do you eat with these people they want to know? They complained bitterly to Jesus. They complained about it. They griped about it. They tried to tear them down. They tried to discourage them. Look, when you get discouraged and when you get afraid and you let your fear become greater than your faith, you will be crippled in doing everything that Jesus has called you to do. Look at what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 11 and 4. It's one of my favorite verses. The Bible says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Stop waiting for the perfect weather to go out and begin to do it. Stop waiting for the perfect scenario. Stop waiting for you to know just a little bit more or to have experienced just a little bit more. No, you go out there and you stand on the faith that is Jesus and the faith that is in the Word of God and you stand in boldness and in great courage. You let the Holy Spirit strengthen you and don't be scared. You go out into culture. You go out into the world. Hey, church, cultivate. We're going to do what God has called us to do. We're not going to be scared about what happens next. When you say, who am I? Ask the question, well, who is he? See, when you got fear in your life and you go, well, who am I to do that? The wrong question is to say, who am I? You say, who is he? Don't say, well, what can I do? You say, what can he do? There's confidence in God's power. There's, God's, there's confidence in God's principles. And there's confidence in God's promises. We're going to follow the power of God. We're going to follow the principles that are in God's Word. And we're going to act in the promises that God has given to us. We're not going to be scared. We're not going to be scared about planning other campuses. We're not going to be scared about growing more leaders. We're not going to be scared about doing and creating and forming and making all the things that God has given us to do. Why? Because we are convinced of it. We are so completely convinced that we're going to devote our life to this. Church, we're never going to be satisfied. and We're never going to be selfish. We're never going to find ourselves being silent about what God has done and who He is. And we're never going to be scared to step in faith and do what God has called us to do. I challenge you today to embrace this in your life. Never be satisfied. Always know there's purpose. Always know there's a little bit more of God's plan that He wants to live out in your life. Don't be selfish. Don't live this life for yourself, but live it for others. Look, don't be silent. Don't hide your faith. Go show it. Go tell it. Go give it. Go serve it. Go express it into the lives of others. And don't be scared. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's his desire to cripple you from doing everything God's called you to do. But I encourage you to walk in faith, 
over fear. Look, we are completely convinced that God's put us on the planet to live life on purpose, to make a difference in the lives of others. The days of our church are still ahead. The best is still to come. You and I, God has gifted us, He's equipped us, and He has convinced us of what He wants to do in us and through us. And I challenge you, if you're a part of Cultivate Church, I challenge you to do that today. Commit your life to it. Let's win the world for Jesus. Maybe you're watching today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And maybe you're watching this today and you've, you've just found yourself in one of these places and, and you, you're kind of like Matthew. You've got some dissatisfaction in your life and you're looking for hope and you're looking for help and, and you feel lonely and you feel depressed and you need to know the hope of the world. Well, I tell you today, you need Jesus. Maybe today you find yourself and you've been living selfishly and everything's been about you and you recognize today that you need to change that. Maybe you've been living in a, in a silent place, a silent hurt. Maybe you've got some, some silent disappointment, some silent struggles. And God wants to help you find your voice today. Maybe you've been living in a scared sense of the world around you. And today you need to know that God's boldness, His power and strength lives in you. And He wants to do something incredible for you. So wherever we are today, I want to pray for us. Two things that I want to pray for. Number one, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And today that's the place that you need to start. And I want to pray for you. And then I want to pray for all of us that maybe are just struggling in one of these areas. Struggling to just live this out, finding our way to Jesus. Or maybe we've been struggling in one of these areas as a believer. And we haven't even been living our life completely and totally on purpose. I want to pray that today that we will be completely convinced who God is and what He's called us to do. So Father, thank you for my friends. Watching or listening online, I pray right now that if there's any of us that doesn't have a personal relationship with you, that you'd forgive us of our sin. We know that we've fallen short. We've missed it. We've failed. We've messed up. But Jesus, you came to give us hope. You came to give us life. And you came to give us freedom and forgiveness. And today, we choose you. Forgive us of our sin choose to put you first in our life. And God, I pray for all of us. Maybe somebody's struggling in one of the areas that we talked about today. God, I pray that you help us to overcome this area of our life. Let us be completely convinced, God, that you want to use us to live life on purpose. God, I pray for our church. God, I pray for every one of us to live our life on purpose. That our driving force of life would be to make heaven a bigger place. Let us take advantage of every single day and every single moment and every single opportunity. Jesus, we want to serve you. We want to live for you to make heaven a bigger place. God, we love you and we thank you for meeting with us today. In Jesus' name.